Let's pray. So Jesus, use this scripture this morning to teach us and transform us into the people of God you want us to be. Amen. It's great to be with you all this morning, and I want to also welcome our folks online and enjoying the podcast. This winter, we've been exploring uh, the dynamics of community, and today we're going to look at the early church and discover some things that threatened their community and what contributed to making it such a strong and healthy and world-changing community. Now, why are we talking about this so much? Because we want to be like the early church. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit like they were. We want God to do signs and wonders here and now like he did there and then. We want people to know how much Jesus loves them. And we want them to feel welcome here. We want God to heal people, to bring wholeness and joy. And we want God to give us a depth of community that transforms us from the inside out. The early church watched in amazement as God did all these things in and through their community. But there are things that threaten and even destroy community. We know this all too well. So let's take a closer look at our text this morning that described the very first days of the early church in Jerusalem, and then a little later on as it spread and grew in Europe. The story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 uh, is unusual, to say the least. It's not every day that someone makes a big donation to the church and then drops dead on the spot. Safe to say, this is a tough passage if you're preaching on stewardship. If we don't look more closely, this story can really throw us off. Did God really just up and strike someone dead? And not just anyone, but a church member? This isn't God's normal MO. It's pretty unusual. So what's going on here? I think the main point of this story is that the actions and attitudes of this couple threatened the very fabric of the early church in its first days. The Holy Spirit was creating a community marked by authenticity, but this couple was preoccupied with appearances. God was birthing a community of grace, but they were focused on image management. How do we know? Look at what Peter confronts them about in verse 4. He says, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? Peter basically says, you didn't have to give any money at all. And once you did, you could have kept any portion of it and given any portion of it. They had complete freedom to give or not. But instead, they conspired to sell the property, keep some for themselves, but tell everyone that their gift was the full sale price so they would appear generous and sacrificial. They wanted everyone to see them just like Everyone saw Barnabas as sacrificial and generous. But Luke contrasts these two examples to make his point. So what is Luke's point? Pretending is a threat to community. Believing that you must do something or be something in order to be loved and accepted hollows out the heart of the gospel. God accepts and loves us just as we are first. That's grace, an undeserved gift. Only then does God call us to live into who he created us to be, 
That's our obedient and faithful response to God's grace. Our obedience is not a precondition for God's love. Our obedience and love to God is our joyful response to God first loving us. That's the gospel we believe. Amen? Amen. But Ananias and Sapphira threaten the very gospel foundation of our church. They view giving as an obligation and an opportunity to establish their image. Can you imagine what if the early church in its first days became more concerned about appearances and image management than it was concerned about authenticity and grace and spiritual transformation? What if they got sidetracked with some idea of performance or paying dues or even deception instead of freedom and generosity and God's loving grace, the heart of the gospel? That would have been the end of the church. That would have been the death of the gospel. Well, Jesus didn't come to earth, love, teach, heal, die, resurrect, commission, and send the Spirit only to have a couple of posers ruin everything two days later. Could it be that God acted decisively to protect his newborn community and root out this threat before it could take hold? There is precedent for that in the Bible. God lets people make bad choices, but no one can thwart God's plan of salvation. Pretending in the church still obscures the gospel and kills true community. Don't you want to be part of a church that clearly proclaims that Jesus loves everyone regardless of our sin and imperfection? And don't you want to be part of a church that truly believes God's unconditional love can transform each of us from what we were into what God has always created us to be, reflecting the character of Jesus? That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. So that's the most important point from this sermon, right at the front. Remember that God's unconditional grace gives us freedom and courage to be authentic, not pretenders. And I found some other great stuff too. Let's look at what happened as a result of this couple's death. Verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Isn't that curious? Did you hear it? So which is it? Did no one else join them? Or did more and more people believe and join them? It's no contradiction. Actually, both statements are true. I think Luke is telling us that the early church had healthy boundaries. Everyone held the church in high regard, even unbelievers. There was respect, awe, and yes, even fear. So after the Ananias and Sapphira incident, no other insincere or casual believers or unbelievers dared join the church. But lots of people sincerely put their faith in Jesus and joined joyfully. Now, everyone knew who was part of this community, where it met, who its leaders were. It was very public. And it was crystal clear that anybody could join by truly believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The early church had good, healthy boundaries. Not weak boundaries that blurred their identity in Jesus. 
making them look like any other group of people. Not rigid boundaries that excluded people for the wrong reasons. Whether first century or 21st, everyone's familiar with boundaries that exclude on the basis of gender, race, nationality, economics, politics, you name it, fill in the blank. This is typical of the world that we live in. But the early church shocked the world because they positively welcomed women and men, poor and rich, Gentile and Jew, Roman uh, imperialists, collaborators, and insurrectionists alike, sinners of all stripes who wanted a savior. Literally anyone could believe in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit and become a part of this new community. And then all these other identity markers would take a back seat to being part of this new community. Stephen Colbert coined a word I love, truthiness. Truthiness is when an idea seems like it should be true, uh, it feels true, or I wish it were true, but truthiness has nothing whatsoever to do with facts or whether something actually is true. And there's truthiness to an idea out there that a perfect community would be unified and would share everything and have nothing that separates or distinguishes people. Couldn't we all just agree and be happy and make each other happy? There's a certain truthiness to that. Sounds ideal. We could, we could all be one big happy family. There's another word for that kind of community. We call it a cult um, <laughs> or totalitarianism. Uh, therapists call it codependence. But God doesn't ignore differences or obliterate them. God is the God of diversity, creating thousands of kinds of plants and creatures and creating each person unique. And he gave the church all kinds of people with all kinds of gifts to make it stronger. No, a healthy community doesn't confuse unity with uniformity, sharing with sameness. God goes to great lengths in the Bible to show how he gives, gives different gifts to different people, and we have to learn to work together as a body, as a team, as a community. We aren't supposed to be the same. We are supposed to love one another and use our different gifts to become stronger together. But one of the earliest threats to the Christian community was poor boundaries, either too rigid and not welcoming any sincere believer or too weak and becoming indistinguishable from the predominant culture. The early church also avoided another threat to community that proved very difficult in the succeeding centuries. Listen to verses 15 and 16. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. The early church cared for and healed people outside the church. They continued the mission of Jesus. They were missional, not insular. It can be easy for a group to simply enjoy one another and shut out the rest of the world. But becoming overly focused on ourselves is another threat to healthy community. And God wove this into the fabric of creation, 
A closed system can be dangerous and get stagnant, but a vital dynamic system has purpose, always taking in new elements and experiencing changes of various kinds. In last year's church survey, you said you loved how our church is so focused on reaching out, on being missional. Just like Jesus' first followers, we extend Jesus' love to outsiders. And we're also trying to practice the kind of love for one another that's described in our text today. They were devoted to one another and to outsiders. They had a strong sense of community without being insular, cut off from the people around them. Well, the church that becomes insular and isolated takes on kind of a siege mentality and gets weird fast. Uh, We've all heard about churches and groups like that. They make newspaper headlines, but not the kinds of headlines that the early church got. And the only headline that we want is people trusting in Jesus and getting healed in ways only explainable by the power of Jesus. So the early church was authentic, avoiding the threat of pretending. It was boundaried, avoiding the threat of becoming just like everyone else. It was missional, not insular. And finally, the early Christian community thrived on interdependence rather than getting seduced by being overly dependent or independent. Let's quickly look at Paul's guidance to the early church less than 20 years later after it spread to Europe. You yourselves have been taught by God to love each other, yet I urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. I love how human the Bible is, so honest and practical. Why does Paul have to say this? Because dependency had become a threat to the Christian community. Remember that the early church welcomed rich and poor people, but there were no needy among them because the rich ones, like Barnabas, would give generously. Well, over time, you can see where this might go, particularly as Christians became persecuted and the targets of economic discrimination. So those who were in need increased in numbers and strained the community's ability to provide for them. But even more challenging was the fact that some able-bodied Christians were not working, not doing what they could, and simply relied on the generosity of others. I bet every person here could tell a story of how that kind of dependency has created tension in families and relationships. But Paul doesn't stop there. He told everyone to work hard so that they were not overly dependent on others and so that they could generously give help to others. Paul knew that a strong, healthy church is marked by interdependence, where I need you and you need me, and simultaneously where you can help me and I can help you. Our short-term mission impact teams and other volunteers see this all the time. How many of us have personally experienced this dynamic? We give our service somehow and are surprised by how much we receive in the process. Raise your hand if you've intended to give but discovered that you'd also received. Yeah, we see this. It's a a common dynamic. We quickly realize that those we serve are giving back to us just in different ways. 
Mutual interdependence is simply the way Jesus' kingdom of love works, and it's beautiful. So Paul is motivated to avoid the threat of too much dependence just as much as its twin threat of too much independence, like Ananias and Sapphira. That couple chose to take care of themselves, to remain independent of needing anybody else, to distrust God's provision and the care of the community. They remained aloof benefactors, holding all the cards. But that's not community. You cannot have intimacy, no deep fellowship without vulnerability, without expressing our needs to one another. I think this is a particular threat for us at Bell Press. Many of us love to help others, but hate to need help or ask for it. This inner resistance is a devastating threat to community. The Bible calls it pride, and pride has been known as the source of all sins and the worst of all sin. That's why the Bible urges us so often to humble ourselves, to ask for help from God and from others. Yes, this is very hard. I get it. It's hard for me too. But confessing our needs is one of the most basic spiritual practices that all followers of Jesus must learn to develop. It's one of the most prominent descriptors of the early church. There were no needy among them because they shared their needs and provided for one another joyfully. Just last week, one of our sisters in Christ, I'll call her Ashley, humbled herself and sent an email to some people in, her ch- in our church. She wrote, You are my closest community, and I love you all dearly. I appreciate how you have been with our family through much. I am reaching out to you with another prayer request, knowing that I could use your prayer and support on the journey. Then she went on to ask people to pray about some scary health challenges she was having and the difficulties she was having with her insurance company. She simply asked for prayer because she was scared and frustrated. She wasn't asking anyone to solve her problems, and no one who got that email thought less of her for asking. Instead, they all prayed, and one of them asked a couple of Bell Press doctors for advice. By this last Wednesday, Ashley had seen a Christian doctor specializing in her problem, and she was already experiencing healing and hope, and everyone was praising God. That's the power and the potential of community, the beautiful body of Christ building itself up in love. Now, it doesn't always happen that way, but none of that would have happened if Ashley hadn't been authentic and trusted her closest community with her fear and asked for help. So this week, I challenge all of us to humble ourselves and ask someone to pray for us to be authentic and let someone know about a need that we have, to ask for help. Let's surrender our pride to Jesus, who loves and accepts us as we are, warts and all. Then let's choose wisely someone who will listen listen to us and support us. Obviously, we're not all going to run out and dump all of our issues on some unsuspecting bystander. Don't do that. But for most of us, we simply need to reach out to someone in our normal circles, just like Ashley did. Or maybe this week, you'll be the Barnabas, the authentic and generous person who gives help 
to someone else. Just be ready to receive back from them in a different way somehow. We know God wants us to experience a community of deeper love and transformation and mission. So this week, make a move to reach out. Let's practice what the early church learned. Let's be radically devoted to Jesus, to one another, and to healing the world just like they were. When this kind of authenticity and generosity and care for others becomes the norm in a community, people get transformed. The world gets transformed. And that's the kind of church we want to be. Amen? Amen. So Jesus, that is our prayer. Keep us always focused on you. Help us love one another deeply with humility and generosity. Holy Spirit, empower us that we might bring your transforming love and healing power everywhere you send us. Amen.